0: Drinkers, what's happening? Bass players, guys and girls around the world, got to say thank you so much for um, checking out the podcast. The podcast, I guess, uh, helped a little bit by me having a, some more consistency in uploading and uh, maybe talking about a few more relevant topics. Uh, it, it's been amazing. It's been uh, oh, and the phone's going. You're going to hear some. Uh, you're going to hear some extra noises today because I've got the front mic on to capture some room sound for a reason that will be revealed shortly but yeah the podcast has been just making uh gangbusters comeback in terms of the amount of people listening and the interaction and all that stuff don't forget if you want to ask a question um or a comment or you have an idea for another a, a new episode or something feedback on this episode or any of the episodes you listen to go to my telegram channel it's linked in the show notes of this episode and uh free and easy to sign up if you don't have it um, and just drop a comment there that way a lot of other people get to see and uh, see the response and uh, and and see your see your comment and hopefully i'll be able to get it in an episode of the podcast so if there's ever an element of conversation you want to have pertaining to the podcast please go to the telegram channel it's linked in the show notes the podcast even has its own website now it's linked from yanagustala.com in the top menu it said it says podcasts so you can go check out all the episodes in one place <clears throat> and today we're talking about something I've wanted to talk about for a really long time. For over a year now, I've been thinking about this, um, but but it really kind of hasn't been. The idea hasn't been as formed as it is now in my in my head, and it hasn't been as relevant to me, um, as as uh, so far as it, as it has right now. And that is self custody of your music. I guess music and videos as well, because we're going to talk a little bit about streaming services and. Obviously what they offer and the benefits of those things, but also some of the the pitfalls of those services. And this is not anything to do with like my crusade against the music industry. It's nothing to do with that. I'm not like trying to talk shit about um, Spotify and, and all those companies. As much as I dislike them intensely, this is not what this podcast is about. This is really about trying to give you some information uh, or at least let you inside my process for like self-custody of music. The reason that is such a big thing for me uh, right now is because that is how I released my new album. One Way Out was not released to streaming services. You can't just go listen to it on Spotify or or Apple Music or stream the whole thing with video on YouTube. It's not that kind of thing. It's something where you actually have to go to YannickGustala.com, you have to make a purchase I tried to, you know, put some value back into the music as, as music used to have. Um, and you have to purchase that. You have to download it. And then you, you, you're you stuck with these things called files. <laughs> Remember those? Um, and you have to self-custody those. You have to store them somewhere. And you have to have a way to listen to it that isn't a physical product. It's not a record that you put on a record player, CD that you put in a CD player. And it's not something that you can just open an app in your phone like Spotify or Apple music and search for it and and hear it on demand for free, so that put me in a little bit of a quandary in terms of like okay uh, that you you die hard, coffee drinkers and fans, you want to listen to the music fantastic you'll you're just troubleshoot and you'll find the way that works best for you um, and I don't hear a peep out of you guys. you guys are the rock star fans that any artist could ask for. Um, and you are Im- immensely appreciated. But then, of course, there are people who are a little bit unsure, like maybe people who are so young that they only know Spotify and Apple Music. Like They don't even understand CDs, let alone like downloading MP3s from the Internet and keeping them somewhere and being able to play them back, which, of course, you can do in iTunes, for instance. That's that's something that Apple lets you do. I believe Spotify also lets you play local files on uh from your your desktop or laptop maybe even your phone i'm not sure but that's the thing local files so here's my solution here's something i'm very fortunate um to have uh and something that has turned into quite the tool not only as a as a a basic solution for self-custody of music but as a as a music tool as a um as an exploration tool, as a production tool, and that's kind of having my own server. I've, I've made a couple of videos that kind of roughly go over this uh, machine that I was very kindly sent by Steiger Dynamics, and um, it's kind of got a baller memory, like solid-state memory in it. That's the biggest thing for me because I have so much music, and the need for that, in my case, will become apparent as this story unfolds in today's episode because I have such an enormous amount of, of music, of digital music. And they are the it's been fragmented, the, the the storage of which is has been fragmented for years over multiple two, three, four, even some up to eight terabyte hard drives. But we're talking about dozens of these things. We're talking about millions of songs, tens of thousands of videos, all sitting on individual hard drives, none of them solid state, unfortunately, so the risk is even higher that they fail. And not all in the same place and not all searchable. Um, so my solution has been to use this PC, this Windows machine, this Stiger Dynamics. I can't even tell you like what it is. You'll have to go to Stiger Dynamics and check it out. I'll link the, I'll put a link to what it is in the show notes. You can go check out their website. It's it, for me. I'm a, I'm a complete noob um, when it comes to the Mac, the, the PC, and Windows world. I've never owned one. This is my first one. But what a solution to this problem. And this problem is like multi pronged as well god damn this cough is still going fuck i really hope it's not from covid a couple of months ago but anyway um sorry for the coughing interruptions so yeah the issue is multi-pronged the solution is very singular it's having this this pc with ridiculous amount of space actually i think there are 60 plus terabytes of solid state uh hard drives in there and it's like triple redundancy, so it's actually 20-something terabytes of storage and double backup, which is key as well. That's something I've I've always really worried about with with any collection of stuff I have, whether that's like productions that I've been doing over the last 20 years that are all digital and on – incredibly aging and ailing hard drives, or whether that's music that I've acquired recently that's on, you know, relatively new drives. But like I said, storage-wise, kind of fragmented. So it's amazing to have it all in one place. I use a thing called Plex server. Um, This is not – or Plex, it's called Plex, and then you have your own server within the Plex app. I got like a lifetime – not subscription, just a lifetime uh, access purchase. I think it was maybe around 100 $100. They're really cool at doing offers every few months. So if you see it like extortionately priced now, it'd probably be good to wait a few weeks, a couple of months. So they, they they come out with offers on their product. This is by no means sponsored by Plex. I have nothing to do with them at all. You could say this podcast was kind of sponsored by Steiger Dynamics. I got this machine for them, uh, from them for free, full disclosure there. And here's the thing. Not only is this about self-custody and all the questions I got surrounding one way out and like, hey, I want to listen to the music, but I actually have no idea like what do I do once I download these files? You know, and of course I was offering MP3s. I still am. It's available at Yannegustala.com. I'm offering MP3s and Flack for those audio file people who want to hear a higher resolution digital file. So it's sort of multi, multi-pronged in terms of all the layers that that you have to go through in terms of it's 2022. You've just downloaded this product. You've got these files sitting somewhere. What do you do with them? Now, I got to say, for a lot of things, the iPhone and Apple products in general are awesome. For music, they're an absolute piece of shit. I got to say, like, you you can't share things easily. There's this like quote-unquote files uh, app in the phone, and the system of, of of storing and accessing files in an iOS device is just moronic. The way it's the way it's designed. It just really isn't user-friendly. So that's where the Plex thing comes in. And I have the Plex app in the phone. Um, and basically, like, long story long, I have my entire music collection on the PC at home. It sits online the whole time. It's like a server, and I can access it anywhere in the world. That's the bottom line. That's the beauty of it. I can be in Istanbul or something be like, oh, I really want to listen to that Chick Corea song. Um, that... Da, 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 enter problem number two with this self-custody thing and with the streaming services, I want to listen to this Chick Corea song that is no longer available on Spotify or Apple Music because I know there are people out there saying, well, why would you get another computer? Why would you self-custody all this stuff when you can literally just, there are millions and millions, tens of millions probably songs on, on Spotify and, and and Apple Music. Why would you do all of that stuff when you can just go listen to them for 10 bucks a month subscription on any of those services? Well, Newsflash. I mean, it's not that common, but it's becoming a a bigger and bigger issue um, the, the, the more we go on with these streaming services. A lot of people are taking their music off those platforms. And look at me. I'm not even putting it on there in the first place to take off, at least not when the album comes out. I want at least a year of value out of the music where people have to buy it and they have to engage in it. And it's really to be enjoyed by people who want to listen to it rather than... This kind of, um, you know, kind of passing, you know, just fleeting few seconds here and move on to the next thing. So that's my concept behind it. But it is, you know, classic albums that I've listened to, at least classic to me, maybe not classic in the pantheon of music, but uh, to me, amazing albums, music that shaped my childhood and shaped my upbringing as a musician is becoming less and less available on these streaming platforms. And it's it's also music I own. I did buy a lot of these things and where, if I bought them on CD, then I digitized them and put them on hard drives so they'd be easier to carry around and put them in iPods back in the day and then later into my iTunes and, and, and that whole thing on the cloud. But it's becoming an issue where I can't just go to Spotify and dial up. For instance, I've got my Plex server open here um, because this is one of my favorite Chick Corea albums is Chick Corea Electric Band 2. This is why the the room mic is on, so you can hear a little bit of that in the background. I thought this was an amazing album. Um, and I think the story goes that Chick kind of owed the label one more record, Electric Band record, and the band was kind of disbanded at that point. He put a new band together. I think I've heard something like that. Anyway, I thought the album came out amazing. I know it's one of Russell and Sirota's favorite albums. We talk about this and play licks from it all the time uh, when we're playing and, and on the road and stuff. So like, that isn't on... Spotify. like I would love you to go and listen to that music right now, but you can't because it's not on Spotify. You've got to go out and buy that somewhere. Not even sure where you would buy it right now. Maybe uh, Amazon or something has that for sale as an MP3. And I, I should look into that as well because I know Amazon sells MP3 downloads. At least I think they still do. And I wonder what the custody system is there. Whether you then have access to that in an Amazon Cloud thing or whether you actually get to keep your files. That was another thing with iTunes back in the day when when you were buying music and actually getting files of some sort, they ended up being like protected and you didn't really have the music. It wasn't yours to move around your various hard drives or various devices that easily. And for me, like the Plex server, or the I keep calling it Plex Server. I guess it is the Plex server within the Plex app. That is it's just awesome. I've got it on my PC here. And I have a little switcher, by the way. So I, I've got this like um, sort of, if you think in a pedal board, like a a splitter box, an ABY box, if you like. And I just go AB with a little clicker here and, and fire up the PC on the same monitor as the Mac kind of go back and forth. So I can play that in the background then switch back to my Mac if I'm doing something and, and the music is running. Or I have it in the phone or the iPad and I can dial that up kind of anywhere in the world. But it's amazing how many albums. It's just it's Every week I go to Spotify and there's yet another thing that is just not available. And right there, you can you can tell. I say every week I go to Spotify, I still use Spotify a lot. I don't use Apple Music that much, but I do, despite hating it, use Spotify a lot. I'm so pre-programmed that that is like the main thing to go for in, in my kind of orbit in, in music and checking things out. It's that or YouTube. And I'm slowly, slowly sort of... Um, going through Spotify rehab to be like, oh, you know what? I actually have most of this music. Yes, if there's some new stuff and somebody's like, "Hey, we're doing this gig and you need to check out these songs." And here they are on Spotify. Okay, I'll use it. It's a good tool for that. But a lot of the stuff I want to listen to, um, stuff from the past that I know well, I have, I own. I've bought those albums and I have them as MP3s. Now amazingly transferred into the PC, they're not all fragmented on hard drives. And You know, I just have kind of buckets of stuff. Like I haven't listened to everything that Miles Davis ever made, for instance. And a lot of my collection consists of live bootlegs and live concerts. So I know there's so much stuff when it comes to Miles and live, live shows from the 60s, for instance. I love that period, 60s and early 70s. I can dial that up. I know I have tons and tons of live concerts. I can dive into Plex, getting on the plane, you know, download an album or something within that. And listen to it, and kind of last-minute decisions like that, rather than having to think ahead at home um, and think, oh, which hard drive is that on? Number one, and then how many do I want to take, and and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just really has blossomed into quite a streamlined way of self custody of music, and as a result, I'm listening to more music. I think that's the the ultimate goal here, the ultimate point is that I felt for the longest time and that's why I've been thinking about it so much especially with going to make the new album and wanting to listen to different stuff and be influenced by different things and, and stuff that I'd maybe forgotten about and revisiting things just having all those options it's been on my mind like yeah it's kind of fleeting how I and I think how a lot of us listen to music anymore and that's kind of sad I th- I know One Way Out was made as an album it wasn't made as this fragmented thing to be listened to in 30 second chunks and I think Albums in general, historically, have been made to be to be listened to that way. Unless it's like a specific single or it's made specifically as an EP, as a shorter play package. I really think it's uh, quite sad. Uh, maybe I'm just old and a little bit nostalgic. Uh, I don't know. But I, I really appreciate um, sort of the, just the opportunity and the rebooting of that partition of my brain to be like, oh, you know what? I have all this stuff. I love all this stuff. It's not all over the place anymore. It's in one place, and I have access to it in my phone. Really, just as easy as as the Spotify stuff. And the Spotify stuff just isn't going to show up all my – when I'm in, like, Barcelona or something, it's not going to show up all my local files on my computer back home. So that was another win for me. It was like, you know, the Plex thing, I'm typing in a name, and then I'm like, oh, shit. I totally forgot I had that whole – you know, seven album box set of live concert from miles in Berlin in 64 or something, you know, some random thing comes up and I get inspired. I think, you know, if if you guys have followed me before or read any of my books or, you know, been a part of the conversation, you know, I'm all about following y- your curiosity and working on what most inspires you. So I think that has been like a massive, like eye opener for me is like, oh, this, this is how I got inspired this is always how I, I got to tell you a story. Like I got to meet John McLaughlin first time uh, a couple of weeks ago. He came to came out to my show. We, we played in Monaco. Nico is was playing in his band recently, and through you know those connections, he lives in Monaco. We're playing right there. John came out to the club, stayed for the whole show, had dinner, was super nice, and uh, great to meet him. And it reminded me of this whole process and how this process of learning music has changed. And how, when I was fifteen, I heard, "Oh, this is a good, uh, good example. Maybe I can dial that up right here. Do a quick search for Little Miss Valley." Um, boom, 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 boom. Of course, now I'm going to find out that that's one of the <laughs> one of the drives I have yet to transfer um, to. Uh, uh, I'm, oh, maybe I'm spelling it wrong. Maybe I should just go to John McLaughlin. Johnny Mac. Anyway, while I'm searching for that, um, do I have it? No, there's Kay Alegria. Uh, John Mayer Trio. No, thank you. Um, why don't I have McLaughlin Trio Live in Tokyo. I've got Live in Paris. I've got Saturday Night in Bombay. Festival, I've got like every other album except that one in here. And that's crazy because I know I own that record. I've seen the CD like not that long ago. Um, oh, that's that's crazy. <laughs> well, while I'm 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 still searching while I'm telling the story. So well, I'm 15 years old. I'm listening to um, who was I listening to? I think it might have been Mike Chadwick, and you will know Mike Chadwick perhaps as the snarky puppy manager. He used to run Band on the Wall up in Manchester, where we'll actually be playing in a few weeks' time with Bobby. Uh He's Mike uh, Lee's manager still, as far as I know. Anyway, big. Jazz FM DJ in London. I'm listening to, uh, I'm listening to the radio, and I'm about to go to sleep. And it's just on in the background. I'm about to go to sleep. Ah, and I found it. I knew I had it. Um, uh, let's just relabel that. That's the other thing. One of the worst things um, about my uh, my collection being so fragmented was that so many things get mislabeled. Um, it's going to be a while until the whole thing is like completely accessible the way I want it and also transferring from Mac formatted drives into PC was a challenge but there was a great piece of software for free Um, and it made it just I would just put them on and do it like hundreds of thousands I think I've got half a million songs in there now Um, I do like hundreds of thousands of songs overnight was ended up being really awesome Um, and it totally works so don't get put off by that if you're going between platforms anyway listening to the radio and I hear this I know it's kind of in the background I'm playing it through my studio monitors right now It's Dennis Chambers Joey Francesco who sadly passed away like just 10 days ago or something which is crazy um, and John McLaughlin this is the free spirits trio live in Tokyo I highly recommend going out buying that record from 1994 Anyway, I heard that and I heard Dennis's kick drum. I heard the groove. I was like, what? And I'm 15 years old. Like I'm new to this music and like everything I hear is just like an explosion of questions. So I run to the radio and get like a pencil and paper because I'm 15. This is like this is the 90s, this is the early 90s. And I wait. And that track is 10 minutes and 55 seconds long. It's a long ass track. So I wait, I wait, I wait. Love the track, and I'm waiting. Like, please, 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 tell me who that was. Like, that's what you had to do in, in back in the day. And if you arrived at the song when it was already playing, maybe they introduced it before the song. It goes straight into something else, and they never tell you what it was. So, and when I was 15 years old, I couldn't identify John McLaughlin from two notes or Dennis Chambers' kick drum from one beat. I can do that now. I've listened to it to them enough. But back then, I was really relying on the DJ to tell me who it was. He. Thankfully did Little Miss Valley, John McLaughlin, Tokyo Live, nineteen ninety four, Free Spirits Trio, Jody Francesco, Dennis Chambers. I furiously wrote all this down. And let's I don't remember what day of the week it was, what month it was, nothing. But let's say it was a Tuesday, just for argument's sake. And that was Tuesday. So I went to bed and the piece of paper was there with all the information I needed to buy the album. And then I got up and the next day, I was like, Right, I've got to I've got to get this Oh, I don't have the money for the C D. Shit, okay, so I've got to wait a week until I have the money for the CD, you know, some pocket money or something, okay? So a week goes by, I've got the money for the CD. Then I've got to go to a record store. I think I went into the center of London Tower Records or HMV or something, sifted through the bins, found the album, bought it home. So we're talking about a week that goes by between first hearing it on the radio and then hearing it again. And being able to dig into it and listen to it on repeat and learn things about it and learn the song and transcribe stuff. Now, imagine that now, if you hear something somewhere, if you can't hear that again within three seconds on some platform or another, you're going to be cursing your phone. Ah, Fucking iPhone sucks. Oh, Android. What a piece of shit. You're going to be like the Internet. Man, my Internet connection is terrible. Why isn't this loading? That is our reaction now. And back then it was okay. I love this. I'm inspired by it. I'm curious about it. And that curiosity and the inspiration from hearing one song once on the radio led to the patience you got to have to wait the week to have the money, to go all the way into the store, to come back home and then listen to it. Man, things have changed. Um, I actually can't remember why I was telling that story. (laughs) But I like the story. And it's like, oh, because of the inspiration thing. That's right. And I think it's really important to to not lose sight of that, um, to stay in touch with what inspires you and what motivates you to, to love music. You know, whether you're a pro player, whether you're just a listener, a fan, an amateur, you play on the weekends for fun, whatever it is, on some level, there will be those moments of like, oh, I really like this. I don't understand it. I want to know more about it, or I want to listen to it again and again. Um, like, don't lose sight of that. And I think that Anything that gets me in that zone, that, that get that allows me to do that, especially with the with the PC at home, and with the Plex thing going on, and having all of these albums that I did buy back in the day, um, and you know, depending on your age, maybe you like LPs and vinyl that you uh, perhaps, or maybe you had that and then you bought it digitally on iTunes when that was an option, or maybe you have it on CD as well and you digitize that. We're all, or maybe you just are so young that you don't don't even have CDs and it's all digital. Regardless of what it is, I think it's good to kind of I think that's what playlists are good for on some level, but for me with this massive music collection and if you have any kind of music that you custody and that you want to access that's that's yours, you know, that isn't on a streaming service, I think it's a good idea to have a process for that. And this is this is mine. It's freaking awesome. Like, I'm super lucky, obviously, to have the machine, the Stagger Dynamics, the, the, the PC with this ridiculous amount of um, storage, SSD storage. I know everyone's collection is not going to be millions of songs. I know I'm, I'm on the extreme end of that. Uh, but I, I think it scales. I don't think there's any reason it doesn't work on on all levels. So far, Plex has been awesome. Like I said, I have nothing to do with Plex. They're not sponsoring me. I paid for the service, um, but they've been amazing. Especially where you know I have experience of having really millions of songs, and iTunes just not being able to cut it as an interface, as a playback method, as a piece of software. It's just a consumer piece of shit. Basically, it really has no has no balls. <laughs> it has no like real top end like the ceiling is very low in terms of its capabilities so having something like the Plex thing that so far hasn't even blinked I've put hundreds of thousands of songs into it it's been like sure what do you want to listen to oh by the way you have this album in three different folders you want to amalgamate that and you know get rid of the shitty files great you know it's it's been really awesome instead of me cursing at it it's been like offering assistance which is always nice from a piece of software that's not can't really say that all the time about things like that and I know it's a unique situation like I said I have a lot of songs and obscene amount of songs if you like something that uh, and something that's only gonna grow from here on out um, yeah And I really want to get what else was I listening to There's, there's um, I don't know why it's so much about like Chick Corea that's just kind of been in my in my peripheral vision these uh, these weeks because I also love this album Time Warp, uh, which is also not available on iTunes or, or Spotify or Apple Music or any of that stuff. It's a beautiful record. It's Patatucci on bass, Gary Novak on drums, Bob Berg on saxophone. It's Chick Corea Quartet, Time Warp. I don't remember which year this is from. Um, so again, there is. It's not all. Perfect. it doesn't it, you, when when I put everything in Plex and I, I moved everything over to the PC it's not like you're going to be oh this is completely familiar and here's all my information and metadata it's not perfect and that is only due to the fact that my collection is vast and fragmented so sometimes the rip of the CD into a folder was not like it didn't get some of the metadata or the the, the artwork wasn't there for instance but where the metadata is there and the album artwork, Plex does a really good job of serving up that artist and kind of like serving up like suggestions, but within within your collection, not an algorithm based on like ad revenue. I think that's what I like about it. It's like very, um, <clears throat> it's quite insular to your, to, to my own collection, which is really nice because I know what my collection is and I know it's completely like 100% within what I want to listen to and my taste and everything. So... Uh, maybe consider start using it if, if this is like your first you know maybe your first time thinking about this maybe you maybe you got one way out and it's the first time you've had to custody music i don't know there are going to be so many stages of where everyone's at in terms of custody and music i'd love to hear from you like what your experience was with one way out as well with downloading the album. I know that's not millions of people that did it. Um, That's like several hundred people that ended up buying the album or a few more than it. maybe five, six hundred people bought the album. Um, And uh, if you're listening and you have it and you got MP3s and you got the high uh, fidelity, the FLAC files as well, I'd love to hear your experience with that and how how you do it Um, and whether you use iOS or whether you use Android or which apps you're using. Um, I feel like iOS is Probably the worst, and it's maybe the most widely used, at least in the U.S. I know Android is way bigger elsewhere, but in the U.S., iPhone seems to be the most popular thing. And just the more I travel, iPhone seems to be having a, a be gaining a bigger and bigger share of the market. Um, and I guess Windows. We're going back to the machine that's that's behind all of this. Windows has always had the biggest share of the market. Um, and I gotta say, <laughs> uh, sidebar here. The brains of this PC, four I don't know anything about it, like the technical side of it. Um, you have to talk to my buddy Martin at Steiger about that stuff. Or, or You probably know 10 times more about it than I do. Um, but I, I, I am aware that it is also kind of a sick gaming PC. Um, and I kind of want to get some F1 going on, some Formula 1, maybe Forza. Or I saw there was an F1 manager um, video game, and also some sort of flight simulator. I'm a big, like, av geek. I love flying, traveling, all that kind of stuff. Um, vicarious Voyager. I don't know if you guys have seen Vicarious Voyager. Super uh, great sense of humor. Dude who I believe is like an engineer or something, but makes like travel videos on the side, and is fucking hilarious. I dig all that stuff, and a lot of the visuals that get used on there, or Mentor Pilot, for instance, this Swedish Ryan Air training pilot who lives down in Spain makes great videos and a lot of those videos are accompanied by flight sim uh footage i kind of dig that i wouldn't mind getting into some flight sim stuff and i know that the the pc the windows machine is sort of ridiculously great for that so that'll be something coming up as well something if i ever get a, a, a five minutes to myself i think that's why it's been so long like formulating the 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 kind of the narrative for today's podcast in my mind, it's taken me a year. I've had this machine almost a year and it's taken that long in amongst having a kid and pandemic and then going back on the road and all the other things, writing books and stuff. It's taken me that long to really a to kind of move all my stuff over there, because like I said, it was just and I still have all the hard drives. Obviously, I'll keep them as a kind of a third or fourth redundancy backup at this point. But it's like, man, is it a lot of work. When you have millions and millions of songs on Mac formatted drives to transfer them over to the PC. So it's been taking a while. And obviously the kiddo takes number one spot, number one priority uh, every day. So it's been it's taken me that long to kind of get it to where I want it. Um, I wanted to talk about it while I was making the album because I was actually using it in the studio in Spain. I was like, oh, kind of thinking of this song or that sound and was using it as a reference guide in the studio. I thought that was a nice feature. To have it all kind of online back here in L.A. and be able to access it and be like, oh, that one Jeff Beck guitar sound or this one John Hassel, like ambient pad. Like, how does that actually sound? I don't remember it 100 percent. And to be able to have that library, that reference library. I think that's a huge part. I mean, obviously, as a producer, as a, just a musician in general, I'm sure you're the same no matter where you're at in your journey, you have sort of a reference point. You Maybe you know, oh, this Steely Dan things kind of sounds like that. And that's like a oh, live concert, Ricky Lawson playing drums. I remember that kick drum or snare drum. I'm sure you have reference points of that, moments that have stuck out to you in your musical life as a player or as a listener or as a fan or whatever it is. Um, so I'm always trying to build upon that reference library, be that in my head and knowing, okay, this is a thing I know frequencies, I know chord voicings, or, or whatever it is, or whether it's something that I need to reference in the library, like in my Plex uh, server, something I, in the recesses of my mind that I know. A, I own. B, it's in the collection somewhere, and C, I've, I've I've heard it before and was inspired by it somehow. So yeah, it's it's an amazing piece of tech which is driving curiosity and the kind of inspiring me to do. Or to do what I do and to be able to do it better. I think that's always what I'm looking for. I, you know, as much as I hate Spotify and Apple music, I think those things can be that on some level, but to me, they're sort of like surfacey, last minute, last resort type of things rather than the go-to foundation. I think that's how I see it. Um, and it, it leads to all kinds of other questions and all kinds of other topics as well. Like what am I going to do with the album? You know, I've, I've, thought over the past year or so since I decided, okay, I'm not putting the album out on streaming platforms for free. I've also thought, okay, once the album has had some sort of life cycle, once this new album One Way Out has had maybe a year out there for people to buy and for it to have some value um, and for people to have the option to self-custody, kind of like having your music on Bandcamp where you do download the audio files, WAV files and MP3s. Um, once it's had that life cycle, maybe Spotify and Apple Music, maybe the streaming platforms, become that archive for me. They become the online archive, the reference library for my music. So it's just out there. It's like almost like having it in a museum. I think I think that's how I view uh, those things. Actually, now I think about it, is like a museum, and you go and you look once in a while. Okay, great, it's all still there, fantastic you know, you know, natural history museum in London or or the museum of modern art or something in New York. You're like, Oh, it's, it'll be there. Or Guggenheim rather in New York. Those things will be there. And, um, I can go check in once in a while, but I feel like the, my own collection, the Plex thing is like, well, this is here all the time. It's like, everything is accessible. Like I have all the museums in the world accessible all the time, kind of on my, you know, on my time schedule. I don't have to book an appointment or something. So, um, maybe that's not the most accurate analogy, but that's kind of how I feel about the, the difference between the two things. And maybe that will become, you know, when, whenever the album came out, when did it come out? May, I think. So maybe next May it will end up on uh, on the streaming services. Maybe I'll leave it two years. I'm not sure. Um, I think I want to keep the documentary as a as a paid movie. I think that's going to last a little longer. I don't want to just release it to YouTube for the sake of it, just for some views or a couple of hundred bucks of ad revenue that will undoubtedly be generated by it. I don't want that to be my motivation for creating the art in the first place. Um, And I also don't want it to be – I don't want to be pressured to put it there just because, you know, quote, unquote, that's what people do. Um, So, yeah, it's it's interesting all round. It's very, very interesting to me. It's a whole new – it's a whole new sort of horizon I'm looking at now. And it's changed vastly, like social media and just the internet in general has changed so much in the last 15 years. And I think in the beginning it was super valuable when it was – Really, when it was actually doing what people, what, what all these companies say they're doing for you now, but they're actually not. Now they're just mining your data and selling it for a fortune and and advertising to you and selling you products. Back then, um, there, there was a little bit of that going on, of course, but the algorithms weren't as developed. That wasn't the main focus of MySpace, for instance. And MySpace had great uh, features, which I wish were a thing on today's platforms. The, the the best feature for me as a musician, I think, for any independent musician trying to build an audience and a conversation with their fans was being able to people being able to list their influences and what they liked the music they liked they listed on their page whether they were musicians or not you know as regular people with a MySpace page and listed like hey this I like Pat Metheny I like Gil Evans I like you know Aphex Twin or something and you could go as an artist you could go and search they were searchable um, pieces of information. So I would go search people who were fans of Pat Metheny, people who are fans of Victor Wooten, people that were in my orbit in, in the kind of music I played. I would search out fans and add them. And the fans had the option, don't, don't add me, add me, or they would come check out your music. The music had hundreds of thousands of plays, the little media player that was on the front of my page. And through... You know, searching out those fans, I built a massive audience. You know, in 2006, I think I had 150,000 followers on MySpace, which is is huge. That's even a quite a big, if I had 150,000 followers on Instagram, that'd be two and a half X from where I am now. That would be not a bad number for 2022, but that was an insane number for 2006, 7, 8, 9 or whatever when that was happening before the transition to Facebook happened. And I legitimately booked massive tours as a result of it because I knew I had fans. I knew exactly where they were. I could communicate with them really well. And that was a really amazing time. A few years where it really, really worked in the artist's favor. I think as did the the purchasing of music digitally. Um, It wasn't as horrific as it has become, what has become non-existent in terms of purchasing, it's become just streaming royalties, which are almost zero. Um, so it was kind of there was a few years there where the the internet was great for us as musicians, and then it has just deteriorated ever since. Um, At least for doing specifically that, for finding the audience, for growing as an artist online and for going out and presenting your music. Now it's just about, uh, you know, who can get the most eyeballs and the most attention. It's about seeking attention and how can you shock someone into sticking around for more than three seconds on your page or your channel or in in an app somewhere. And that's, that's not really conducive with art, which is kind of sad. Um, so it's like I said it's a, it's a really a new horizon maybe it's changed every five years maybe it's every ten years I'm not sure what the cycle is yet we're still very much in the embryonic stages of the internet I think um, in terms of where it's going so we'll see it just is quite new right now and it's exciting as much as I say I hate all of those platforms and I really do I'm very much against Spotify and Apple Music and and the way it's all structured the algorithm with YouTube and the the, the it's impossible to grow unless you want to do something kind of stupid, you know. Dress up like a traffic cop, or so. I don't know, like dress up like a like a traffic cone rather, not traffic cop. Like dress up like a traffic cone and um, play something fast or high or loud or distorted. I don't know. That's that seems to be the mode now. You've got to be attention grabbing. Nothing is long form anymore. There's a very small audience for long form and for music or art that really challenges you to ask questions. So those platforms do not cater for that at all. So, again, as much as I hate all of that, as much as I am, you know, kind of required to be a part of it on some level, um, I also look at it as a challenge and like, okay, how can I leverage that in the best way possible for my audience? Um, Can I be totally okay with having a smaller audience as a result? Yes, not a problem at all. And where can we go? Where can we move forwards? And how can we make those small gains, small growths in the journey for me and with my fans and you guys like that's all really fascinating to me Um, and something that I want to continue to be driven by music. I don't want it to be driven by numbers. Um, I don't want it to be driven by fear. I want it to continue to be driven by music. And, you know, what I've been talking about today with the Plex thing, with the PC, with the self-custody of music in 2022, what that looks like even anymore, that's all a a massive part of it. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you guys sticking around. Uh, If you did this long, that's awesome. Um, I love the long-form aspect of the podcast. It's become uh, my kind of most… sort of listen to engage with platform of the last few months. It's really nice. It's uh, I love sitting here with the mic, love talking, love coming up with topics to, to go long form on. And like I said, at the beginning, if you have a comment, if you have a suggestion, the telegram channel is linked in the show notes uh, of this episode, as it always is. I'll always put it in the, in the show notes so you can get in touch. No problem. Drop me a note, drop me a message, ha- have a suggestion, some feedback, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep the conversation rolling. Uh, before I sign off, don't forget, Bass Player's Guide to Altered Chords and Scales is out now, the brand new book. It has been so much fun doing this book uh, and just thinking about all of that material again. It's um, crept into my practice routine. There are some awesome exercises that I'm using every day again, triad things, chordal things, linear things, You know, working on chord sequences and writing more again, It's been really good. I hope you guys uh, check that out. It's at yannickwuzdala.com. If you're listening today, it's Labor Day. Labor Day weekend here in the U.S. There's a massive sale at the website. I'm doing the Bass Player's Guide 2. Bundle that whole series, I think it's five books, is going for I think 45 or 50% off. So if you're listening to this day of and you made it all the way to the end of the video, uh, end of the podcast, that's happening for about another 12 hours until midnight tonight. Otherwise, com for all the books uh, digital, and you can get them physical copies at Amazon.com. Lots of upcoming tour dates as well. I'll be in New York next week. Uh, I'll actually be in Rhode Island first, in Woundsocket. Haven't been there in a long time um, to play at Chan's. Uh, One night with Steve Smith, Vital Information, uh, trio with Manuel Valera. And then we'll be in New York at Birdland for three nights uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th of September. Three nights at Birdland with Steve Smith, Vital Information, the trio. It's the 40th anniversary of Vital Information. It's our kind of warm up week. To get some repertoire together as this new trio. And then we've got West Coast and East Coast tours in 2023, and no doubt Japan, Australia, China, uh, Europe coming, I'm sure, at some point. And then Bob Reynolds' tour kicks off just a week after I get back from Steve's East Coast thing. Um, we start the 29th of September in Wageningen and finish the 14th of October in Glasgow. So um yeah, fourteen shows or something I think all over Holland. We've got Holland, Germany. Uh where are we going? Let's let's run it down quickly. I think I've got it off the top of my head as I'm tour manager. So we go Wageningen, we go Tilburg, we go Hasbergen in Germany at the Gaster Garage Looking forward to that one. Um we go to Middelburg, we play Rotterdam, investor always a favorite venue. Um, they take amazing care of us over there then we've got Bluno in Milan with Jazz Doc in Prague we play Unterfahrt in uh, Munich we go up to Tübingen just outside of Stuttgart to play a concert there, then it's off to the UK where we're at Ronnie Scott's October 12th, uh, Band on the Wall October 13th and Drygate in Glasgow October 14th to close out the tour, potentially a couple more dates coming on that one as well um you can check out BobReynolds.com for that or Bob Reynolds Music. And uh, that's it. That's all the information. I hope you dug the episode. Talk to you guys and girls. Bass players of the world again very soon.